When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, get fed. I am not a bounty hunter. And let's start the new year off right. Join us on New Year's Eve. We're hosting the biggest party live in Miami. As long as I remember to show up. You know I don't love that joke. You're going to show up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch during this final week of 2021. We are counting down the week's top five must-see picks from TV and movies. So without further ado, let's kick things off, or rather, ring things in with number five. Number five. Our number five pick, or picks, plural, are the annual network TV New Year's Eve specials. All of this is very much subject to change. Fox has already canceled its live special in Times Square due to rising COVID cases in New York. But as of recording time, you can plan on spending New Year's Eve with Ryan Seacrest, Miley Cyrus, and Pete Davidson, among others. CBS will welcome 2022 with New Year's Eve Live, Nashville's Big Bash, a special hosted by Bobby Bones and Entertainment Tonight's Rachel Smith, and featuring performances from some of country music's biggest stars, including Lady A, Darius Rucker, Miranda Lambert, Blake Shelton, and many more. Nashville's Big Bash will air live from Music City in two parts, from 8 to 11 p.m. They'll break for the news and then come back from 11.30 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. on CBS. Meanwhile, over on NBC, Miley Cyrus and Pete Davidson will host Miley's New Year's Eve party, featuring a lineup of special guests and musical performances, including Brandi Carlile, Sweetie, and more. That will air live from Miami on NBC starting at 10.30 p.m. and will also stream live on Peacock. And finally, on ABC, Ryan Seacrest will again host Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve live from Times Square with Liza Koshy, Billy Porter, and Ciara as co-hosts across the country. This year marks the 50th anniversary of New Year's Rockin' Eve, and the show will celebrate accordingly with more than five and a half hours of performances from the likes of Chloe Bailey, Big Boy, and Avril Lavigne and Travis Barker, among others. And in addition to broadcasts from New York, Los Angeles, and New Orleans, this year's celebration will feature the show's first ever Spanish language countdown from Puerto Rico, including a performance by Daddy Yankee. It's going to be quite the blowout, folks. Here's host Ciara on what else we can expect from the golden anniversary show. It is the 50th anniversary. Okay, let's start with that. So, you know, we got to go all out. Um, There's going to be some really fresh moments as far as like that, just good energy. And then there's going to be some nostalgic moments as well. We're going to kind of take you on this incredible journey. I'm going to do a little something, something too. So I don't want to give away too much. But just know it's going to be a lot of fun and the perfect way to ring in the new year. There you have it. Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest 2022 kicks off Friday at 8 p.m. on ABC. All right, we are switching up the vibe 
completely for our number four pick, the latest true crime docuseries from Netflix, Crime Scene, The Times Square Killer. Director Joe Berlinger returns for the second edition of the streamer's crime scene docuseries, which unpacks the ways in which certain locations aid and abet criminal activity. This season focuses on a serial killer who targeted sex workers within Times Square's then-booming industry in the 1970s, taking viewers deep into the investigation of the killings, as well as the systemic forces at play that allow multiple horrific crimes to go unnoticed for too long. The series also explores the efforts of Jennifer Weiss, the daughter of one of the victims, to identify others who have remained Jane Doe's for decades. Here's a preview. The whole world is attracted to Times Square, but in the late 70s, Times Square was considered an atrocity. Firemen were responding to a report of a fire in a West Side hotel room. They found much more than they had anticipated. It was the hotel room from hell. You had the smell from burning flesh. The smoke was thick. They crawled into the room, not being able to see. I had covered crime, but I had never covered crime as salacious and as evil and as uh, brutal. Featuring interviews with Times Square denizens, beat cops, and the daughter of New York's self-proclaimed porno king, among others, this is a document of a long-gone time and place. You can stream Crime Scene, the Times Square killer, on Netflix starting this Wednesday. Food Network is serving up a new show on Tuesday called Raid the Fridge, hosted by Cobra Kai star Dan Adute. The show sees four chefs face off in various culinary challenges using only the ingredients from mystery refrigerators. Ahead of the show's premiere, we decided to raid Adute for answers to that time-honored question, what you watching? What have I been watching? Okay, I wish I could give you some cool, like, archaic, like, Danish format that I'm watching that makes me sound really erudite and smart, as if I know what the word erudite means. But I just watch Shark Tank. It's all I watch is all the time. Shark Tank on loop. It is my white noise in my house. It is comfort watching. It's my real housewives. I can't get enough of it. I feel like I'm learning something. Uh, I know what in perpetuity means now. Uh, I also know what a royalty deal is and that I'm not supposed to do them apparently because Mr. Wonderful is mean and that's all he wants to do. Uh, I also love that no one really wants to do a deal with Rob Hershevik. And whenever he's like, I'll give you the money you want, exactly what you want, they're like, um, okay, but is there like another shark who wants to get in on this deal? No? Okay, I think I'm just not going to take the deal. Oh, poor Robbie. I want to give him a hug. We love an honest answer here. If you also find comfort in Shark Tank, you can catch new episodes Friday at 8 p.m. on ABC and find past episodes streaming on Hulu. And you can see Adut on the premiere of Raid the Fridge Tuesday at 10 p.m. on Food Network. Now, time to find our number three pick, The Lost Daughter. Maggie Gyllenhaal makes her debut as a writer-director with this adaptation of an Elena Ferrante novel, starring Olivia Colman. Can you hear the Oscar buzz yet? The Crown's former Queen Elizabeth stars as Lita, a woman who becomes consumed with a young mother and daughter while alone on a seaside vacation. 
Unnerved by their relationship, Lita soon becomes overwhelmed by her own memories of early motherhood and is forced to grapple with the unconventional choices she made as a young mother and their consequences. Here's a bit of the trailer. You don't have kids? Yes, I have two daughters. Hey, your mommy's a girl. You're my big girl. She's driving me crazy. What were your daughters like when they were little? I can't remember much, actually. I saw you at the beach today. I didn't see you. I saw you. Well, talk about unnerving, right? That cast you just heard there, by the way, also includes Dakota Johnson, Jesse Buckley, Ed Harris, Paul Meskel, and Dagmara Domenchik. And at least one of them is likely bound for some Oscar nominations this award season. The women of the cast recently gathered, along with their writer-director, for EW's Around the Table video series. Here's Hall on casting her feature directorial debut. I did always have Dagmara in my mind when I was writing. Um, we worked together on, um, on a couple of things, but like never enough. And I mean, like a little tiny scene here or there where I would just be like, damn. Woman's a really good actress, and uh, and and just somehow in my head, I was like, I don't know, I just always had you in my mind. Not even all that rationally. And you told me that, like a year before it even, like it was. I don't know. Either we saw each other somewhere, you mention it, or like I want to do this movie and I want you in it. And then for for a long time, it just went away. Oh really? And then I came back. Yeah. I was like, there's so there's many so people who are like, I want to put you in. Let's work together one day. Yeah. And she. She meant it. Well, also because I'm an actress and I've had a lot of people be like, yeah, I'd love to yeah. work with you. Yeah, Let's make it. it. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. what about the movie we're going to do together? <laughs> I don't do that. I don't say it if I don't mean it. And then Olivia, you know, I was like, what's the worst that happens? I ask her, you know, like I actually had this feeling about you. I was like, I think she's going to like this. And we think you will too. You can find The Lost Daughter streaming on Netflix starting this Friday. It's trivia time! At the 78th Venice Film Festival in September, Maggie Gyllenhaal became only the second American woman to win the award for Best Screenplay for The Lost Daughter. But who was the first? Sofia Coppola, Mira Nair, or Nicole Holofcener? Stick around for that answer and this week's top two picks. What to Watch will be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. This week in entertainment history, the groundbreaking musical Showboat opened on Broadway 
94 years ago today on December 27, 1927, with music by Jerome Kern and a book and lyrics by Oscar Hammerstein II, Showboat follows the performers, stagehands, and dock workers on a Mississippi River showboat across four decades, dealing with themes of racism, tragic romance, and the passage of time, and featuring such iconic songs as Old Man River. The show represented a turning point in the history of musical theater. NPR has called it, quote, the first great serious Broadway musical, and its marriage of song and dance with plot and character was highly innovative at the time. Critics and audiences alike were enraptured right away. The original production of Showboat ran on Broadway for a year and a half and received highly positive notices. In his opening night review for the New York Times, influential theater critic Brooks Atkinson called it, quote, the most beautifully blended musical show we have seen in this country. Showboat has been revived many times since, winning the Tony Award for Best Revival of a Musical in 1995. Now let's head to a galaxy far, far away for our number two pick, The Book of Boba Fett. The newest addition to the Star Wars galaxy turns the spotlight on the legendary bounty hunter as well as mercenary Fennec Shand as they return to the sands of Tatooine to stake their claim on the territory once ruled by Jabba the Hutt and his crime syndicate. As star Ming-Na Wen, who plays Fennec, recently told EW, if The Mandalorian is a planet-hopping western, this is more of a gangster movie, less the good, the bad, and the ugly, more The Godfather. Here is a preview. You were all once captains under Jabba the Hutt. I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. Why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich? What prevents us all from killing you and taking what we want? If you had spoken such insolence to Jabba, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Please, speak freely. Well, this should more than fill the Star Wars-shaped hole in your heart until The Mandalorian Season 3 arrives. And the creative team is full of Star Wars fans, too. Here's Wynn on her journey from seeing the original film in 1977 to being a part of the galaxy now. There was just something really magical about that particular experience of seeing that film to the point where like the force was my religion. I would pray to God, Buddha and the force. I still do when I get on a plane, I would draw because I, I love to draw and I would draw like images of me as like Han Solo, you know, like a female Han Solo or the female Luke Skywalker, you know, it's insane. It's the fact that I'm now in it, you know, I have a Lego figure of Fennec. It's crazy. It's sort of, I feel like that dream and hope that I had when I was younger and wanting to be in a Star Wars project, even though it's just sort of like this weird, fantastical nerd dream, it's still a dream. It's still a hope. And it happened. So 
you know, it can happen for anyone, really. And that's the message I want. I think the movie gets across. It can happen to anyone. It can happen to a farm boy in Tantooine feeling like he has nothing, you know, no hope whatsoever of getting off that planet. It's like Mulan, same thing, you know, just never feeling like she would ever amount to anything except disappointment. And in the end, you know, she becomes the hero and saves China. It's sort of those stories that I really believe in. And that, folks, is the power of Star Wars for you. Disney Plus will crack open the book of Boba Fett with the series premiere this Wednesday. And now let's kick it with our number one pick for this week, Cobra Kai Season 4. The new season of the beloved Karate Kid sequel series finds the Miyagi-Do and the Eagle Fang Dojos joining forces to take down Cobra Kai. They'll face off at the All-Valley Under-18 Karate Tournament, and whichever dojo loses must close its doors for good. As Samantha and Miguel try to maintain the dojo alliance and Robbie goes all in at Cobra Kai, the fate of the valley has never been more precarious. So what tricks does Kreese have up his sleeve besides recruiting Terry Silver to help take down Daniel and Johnny? And can those two bury their decades old hatchet to defeat Kreese? Or will Cobra Kai become the face of karate in the valley? Well, Here's a preview. If Johnny and I can actually work together and we win, Cobra Kai will be out of business. We gotta take things to the next level. Eagles do not respond. They swoop down and take whatever they want. First, you gotta learn how to fly. Come on, we're gonna get sued here. Uh, sue me for what? <laughs> Tighten that cord. Our enemies are working together. They are combining their styles to beat us. But there is only one way. And the only other person who knows how to teach Cobra Kai is you. Now we're talking. Hmm, that sure seems ominous. But I gotta say, something we are especially excited about is this joining of forces of Daniel and Johnny. It reflects real life a bit, where stars Ralph Macchio and William Zabka have become friends. Zabka spoke with EW's Kristen Baldwin earlier this year for our Awardist series, and he revealed some insight into that relationship, both on screen and off. Have a listen. First of all, Ralph and I have become friends over the years and closer and closer since Pat Morita, when he passed away, we reunited at his memorial service. And that was the beginning of Ralph and I becoming reconnected after all the years of us going our different ways. So we, we've developed a very natural relationship over the years. It's very, we, we banter back and forth. We rib each other. We'll do a Comic-Con. We're on the panels. We like to give each other a hard time and one up each other. So the competition in between us and that kind of nature, good nature, is already there organically, you know, just between us as friends. Um, but then jumping back into these characters and season one, when Daniel walks into the dojo and says, you know, I heard you're picking on these kids. And I said, what kids? I would I hit any kids. I kicked the shit out of a bunch of who deserved it, you know? And it's like the Johnny's point of view, but that, that moment right there, it was Johnny and Daniel in real life. And his, he put the character on, I put the character on and we just felt like, wow, this has got some, 
this has some pressure in it. This is yeah. this is chemistry is actual. Ah, well, you can see more of that chemistry in karate kicking action when Cobra Kai season four drops this Friday on Netflix. And be sure to check back on EW.com this weekend for some very special coverage of the season. We have some really great spoiler filled goods for you. And finally, the answer to our trivia question. Who was the first American woman to win the Best Screenplay Award at the Venice Film Festival? Sofia Coppola, Mira Nair, or Nicole Holofcener? It'll give you the answer monsooner rather than later. It's Mira Nair. The Indian American director shared the award with her co-writer, Suni Tarapuravala, for 1991's Mississippi Masala, and would later win the festival's top prize, the Golden Lion, for 2001's Monsoon Wedding. Well, that is going to do it for our show this week. We'll have more news and must-see picks for you in 2022, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm senior editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week and a very happy new year. What to Watch. Today's episode of What to Watch was written by Tyler Aquilina, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, hosted and produced by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Krokmal.